Thank you for joining the Together Church Podcast. We're so glad that you've joined us today. Our prayer is, is that today's message will inspire you and help you move closer to Jesus. We hope you enjoy today's message. Hey, Together Church, thank you for joining us today. We're in week two of our series, The Gospel According to Satan. Now, if you missed last week's sermon, you can always jump on our website at wearetogether.church and you can look up our sermons and watch it there, or you can just jump on our podcast and catch up. But let me give you just a little recap of last week. In this series, what we're doing is we're kind of taking apart things that sound true and putting them up against the scripture so that we can see that they're actually lies that the enemy has convinced us of. Last week, we looked at how in the very beginning in Genesis chapter 3, the enemy comes in, deceives Eve with a lie, and uses the word of God to convince her of something that wasn't true. It sounded true. It wasn't true. And what he did to Eve in the garden in Genesis chapter 3 is the same thing that he's doing today. We even took a few moments and looked at 1 Peter. And in 1 Peter, it tells us that the enemy, the devil, he, he just roams around looking to devour us. He's looking to destroy us. All his goal is to steal, to kill, and destroy. And that is the target that has been painted on your back by the enemy. He wants so badly to pull you and me away from our relationship with God. And so what he does is he'll tell these things that sound kind of true and get us to believe them. And once we believe them, we realize that we have been pulled and deceived away from God. So over these next couple of weeks, what we're really doing is kind of diving down and beginning to look at things that maybe you and I have been told and putting it up against the scripture and seeing, does the Bible really say this? And if not, what does it say on this matter? And how does that apply to my life? And what do I need to do outside of this? So today in week two, we're looking at a, a lie that the enemy has convinced you and I of, and that's that God just wants me to be happy. God just wants me to be happy. The, the problem with that is it sounds good, but does God really just want me to be happy? We, we look here, it's a, amazing how you and I will exhaust ourselves to pursue happiness. The pursuit of happiness. And we will find things to fill our lives, and, and whether it be material things or just friendships. And we will push everything we have in the middle of the table to go and find this, this elusive, exclusive happiness that we just want to have in our lives. And when we chase it and we run after it, but I, I want you to understand something. And don't get me wrong here. Happiness is not a bad thing. There is a healthy happiness but that's not what God wants us to, to pursue. Sure, God wants us to be happy. We, we see it over and over and over again in Scripture that God wants us to be happy, but more than anything, God wants us not just to be happy, but He wants us to find true joy. Joy. That's the thing that God wants us to move into, is to have a joyful life. The, the enemy has come in and sold us this lie. And unfortunately, you and I have overpaid for this lie because we've fallen into it and we believed it. And our lives have been destructive because we have pursued the wrong things and we're trying to be filled with happiness from things that can never do that, from things that just leave us empty versus having this relationship with God who will fill us and will meet every void in every corner of our hearts. He will fill and give us everything that he sees that we need in our lives. 
And so we have overpaid. So today we're going to get a refund from the enemy because we're going to take this lie and trash it. And we're going to move it along and really see what it is that God wants us to pursue. So we know we have overpaid and we know that we have been deceived, that God just wants me to be happy. Does he? Let's look at some scripture and we're going to we're going to really dig through this and kind of figure out, is this the thing that God wants us to pursue? And so we're looking at these three little letters, J-O-Y, joy, joy. This is the thing that we pursue. This is the thing that we're going to focus on today. And so when we have joy, you and I can have contentment. You and I can be in the place that we need to be when we have joy, because joy is sustaining. But here's the first point today I want, I want to talk about just for a few moments is number one, God's desire for us is not happiness, but joy. God's desire for us is not happiness. It is joy. Now, in the scriptures, we, we, we see Paul in Philippians chapter four. He's going to talk about joy and the, the joy and the, the happiness that we're talking about. Understand the happiness I'm talking about is the world's definition of of happiness. It's not a scriptural uh, definition of happiness. It's a world's way of happiness. So the world continues to tell us what these things are that make us happy. So we're going to go into the scripture and we're going to see what joy is compared to happiness because we have confused those two things. They are not the same at all. So here in Philippians chapter 4, starting with verse 4 and going through verse 7, the apostle Paul is writing to the church at Philippi and he says this, Always, always be full of, do you get this word? Always be full of joy. Not happiness, be full of joy. And he says, I say it again, rejoice. Did you catch it? He is telling us a command. As he's writing to the church, this is his closing uh, statement. This is his final words to them in this letter. And he tells them, be full of joy. It is so important. He repeats it and says it again. Rejoice. This is the most important thing because Paul has a whole reasoning for writing this and starting this final chapter, his final words of closing with telling him to be joyful. And then it was so important. He repeats it. And he goes on to say, let everyone see that you're considerate in everything that you do. He says, remember the Lord is coming soon. So you may be up against some hardships. You may be up against some suffering because the church was facing persecution. And he says, be joyful in those situations. Don't pull back. Don't harness yourself. Be joyful in the situation. I say it again. Rejoice. Always be considerate to others no matter how they're making you feel. And listen, this is only for a moment because our king is coming soon. He's coming back. And so he tells us in verse 6, don't worry about anything. Let me tell you today, don't worry about anything. Worry only puts deposits, emotional deposits and things that will drain our accounts. Paul says, don't worry about anything. You know, pay attention and don't let things just kind of slide by, like be on the lookout and watch, but don't let things worry you. So he says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. See, prayer is the antidote to worry. So if you're worrying about things, what I would say is the antidote to fix the worry is to get in a state of prayer. Because Paul is building this letter and he's writing this letter he's, he's so cautiously and he's, he's scripting these words 
to paint a picture for us as, as an artist would do. He's telling us to be full of joy in the Lord. And then he's telling us to always be courteous and be nice and kind to people because God is coming. And then here he tells us to not worry about anything. Instead, prayer. Prayer, again, is the antidote to worry. And he says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. It doesn't matter. Listen, God is not going to like, oh, I don't want to hear that. Pray about everything. Pray about everything. And he says, tell God what you need and thank him for all that he's done. And then you're going to experience God's peace, which will exceed anything that we can understand. It'll exceed anything that you and I can understand. And it says his peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ. It'll guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ. And you're getting the words that Paul is pushing here. The church is facing this persecution. They're facing some hard times. And Paul's telling them that you can be happy and happiness will not always last. There'll be seasons where we'll be happy and then we won't. But what he's trying to show them is something that will be sustainable and that is joy. And so he's painting this picture for us is to find joy, to be full of it in the Lord. Now, here's where the hiccup is. This is where the tension is for us as a body of, of believers, as individuals, as Christ followers. The problem is, what is the difference between having joy and having happiness? Because when we hear God just wants us to be happy, I would say, no, he doesn't. His desire is for us to be happy. But even more importantly is to find pure joy in him. And, and here's why, because there's a major difference between being happy and being joyful. See, the word happy actually comes from the word happens. So to be happy revolves around a set of circumstances. It's about what's happening, the happenings around me, the situation that's happening around me, the whatever it may be, those things, those, those moments in life, I find happiness in those moments, but it flees. It, it, it'll, it'll come and it'll go. I can be happy one minute and I cannot be happy the next minute. So we feel happy if something good is happening to us, don't we? Like think about things that make you happy. When things are happening to us that are good, then we respond differently. But those happiness pieces of those times that are around happenings, they're temporary and they come and go. And this is why our emotions, we can be really happy and really sad and just really okay and relaxed. And this is kind of an unstable ground in happiness, isn't it? It's not something that we can really depend on to be consistent because we can't always control what is happening around us. And so Paul here is using this term joy instead of happiness. And he goes on to tell us that when one minute when good things are happening and then the next moment bad things are happening, our, our, our emotions of happiness just kind of take this wave and this link. But then you have joy. And joy is completely different than happiness. Joy is not depending on things that are happening around us. And that's, that's good. So we can go through like the worst of times, we can go through the best of times, and our joy will not change because it's not based on circumstances and it's not based on happenings that are going on around us. As a matter of fact, uh, joy, not depending on what's happening to us, it comes from God and it stays down deep within our souls. It, we can be sad and still be joyful. We can be in pain and still, still be joyful because our joy is rooted in Jesus. So I, I would even say it this way, that happiness is based in happenings. So happiness is rooted 
and happenings, and joy is rooted in Jesus. Happiness rooted in happenings, joy is rooted in Jesus. So we know that joy is always available to us because in John chapter 15, it, it tells us that when we abide in Him and, and He abides in us and that God is, is there and He brings joy into our lives. And, and we know this. So we know that God's desire for us is just not happiness, but it's for joy because there are two different things that are happening here. See, there's a couple of key points I want you to catch, and I'll, I want to just explain these just for a moment. Joy differs from happiness in these ways. Happiness is a state of mind where joy is a mindset. It's the way that we think. We, we already know. So it's not a state of mind. It's an actual mindset. Happiness comes and goes. Joy will be consistent. It's constant. It's the one thing that we can depend on of being joyful. And, I'm gonna, and, and I'll explain this in just a minute, why joy is the thing that is always constant. Happiness is dependent. So it's dependent, again, on what's happening around us. Happiness is dependent. Joy is independent. It's not based on the circumstances. It's not based on the happenings that are coming around us. And then happiness is conditional, where joy is unconditional. There's no conditions to it. Joy is there. It happens. And, and we'll, again, talk about that here in just a minute of why that is. When I, when I think about the difference between joy and happiness, I'll automatically go back to one of my childhood favorites, which was the story of Winnie the Pooh. I don't know if you guys have seen the movie Christopher Robin and read the books, but there were two characters in there that uh, they, they clearly paint this picture of what Paul's saying here of joy and then kind of happiness. You, you have this character of Eeyore, Eeyore and Tigger, Eeyore and Tigger. Eeyore has this, oh, okay, well, we're just going to see what happens. Then you have Tigger, who's always bouncing around in excitement and happiness. And Eeyore, it doesn't matter what the circumstances. It's always doom and gloom, and it's just not going to be better. But then comes the scene of Tigger just bouncing around. The wonderful thing about Tiggers is Tiggers is a wonderful thing. And he bounces, and he's excited, and he is full of joy because it doesn't matter what the situation is with Eeyore it's doom and gloom and with Tigger doesn't matter I'm still joyful because my life doesn't depend on the circumstances my joy is not contingent on the circumstances I'm just joyful and this is why we see Tigger bouncing around and this is the brand of joy that the scripture here is talking about it's it's telling us that our joy is not simply overcoming our inner Eeyores it, what it's saying is it's not strolling through life in this ignorant bliss that things aren't negative things aren't happening around us. We're not ignorant to it. But what it's telling us is that our joy is to be found in facing each day's ups and downs through the contentment that Jesus offers. That's where we find our joy. We find it in the contentment that only Jesus can offer. Because when we only pursue happiness, what we will find is that happiness breeds disappointment, but joy will breed fulfillment. And then, now, that's a lot because we're like, well, how does happiness bring disappointment? Because again, it's based on a set of circumstances. It's based on what's currently happening, but eventually you won't be happy anymore and you'll find yourself in a place of disappointment. Paul says here in Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 through 9, he says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing, fix your thoughts and this is what he's saying. Fix your thoughts. Think on these things. Think about these things. That's what it says in the Greek. He says, 
Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. He says, keep putting into practice all that you've learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and everything that you, you saw me doing. Do these things, put them into practice and watch what he says. Then the God of peace will be with you. So Paul's saying is, happiness is a set of circumstances. So what he's doing now is he's saying, you be full of joy in the Lord, always praying, always giving thanks. And now he moves down into verse eight here, and he's telling us to fix your thoughts on God. Because see, the happenings around you are not never consistent. But when we fix our eyes on God, when we fix our thoughts, we fix our minds on the things that are honorable and the things that are pure and the things that are holy, that is God. It is con- he is consistent. He is there. He's never changing. He's the, day. He's the same today, today, and forever, tomorrow. God is God. He's not going to change. So we find consistency. And when we can find consistency in something, we will find fulfillment. We will not be disappointed when we put our hope in God. And so this happiness will breed this disappointment. So this is why Paul's not telling them just to be happy because they could be good right now in this church and then persecution come right in and they lose some of their best friends, the persecution. And then their happiness is gone. It would be disappointing. But when they see it as joy and realize that their joy comes from the Lord, it changes their whole life. It changes their whole outlook on everything. So this happiness is is breeding disappointment where the joy is bringing this fulfillment. I don't know if you know this, It's an interesting fact. This may even blow your mind, but in New York City alone, there are 1.8 million, you ready? Cats. Man, I used to like New York, but there is 1.8 million cats that are roaming around the city. Now, there's an issue that came up a few years ago with so many cats. When you owned a cat and the cat died, well, they call it the concrete jungle for a reason. So when the cats would die, there was really no place for people to go and bury these cats in the backyard because they really didn't have backyards. So the city of New York decided, what we will do is if your cat does, we will come to your home and for $50, we will take the cat and we will give it the burial that it needs. One woman saw this and thought, oh, I could make some money off this deal. So what she did is she ran an ad in the New York paper stating that, hey, for $25, I will come to your house and I will get your cat and I will take care of everything. And here's what happened. The woman would run the ad, a client would call and say, my cat passed, could you come and get my cat? So she would go by the Salvation Army and for a dollar to five dollars would pick up an old suitcase of the Salvation Army or Goodwill. And she would take that suitcase over to this home and put the cat as if it were coffin into the suitcase. Then she would board the subway and she would, she would leave the suitcase beside her, knowing that in just a few moments, someone was going to come by and try to steal the suitcase. And so, sure enough, she would walk in the subway, sit on the train, put her suitcase down beside her, and somebody would sneak and grab it and take off running. And she was like, oh, stop, please don't. And she would just let it go. And the thief is so happy because he just got a brand new suitcase filled with whatever. He doesn't even know what's in it. And can you imagine how his happiness is so full of disappointment when he opens that suitcase to find a dead cat? This is exactly what happens when you and I pursue happiness. 
what we grab and what we get, we think is full of all these amazing things that are going to make our life so much better. And then we open it to find out that these things are actually just dead. They're dead. We find death in these things that are around us. We found life in Jesus. So happiness leads to disappointment. It breeds disappointment. Joy is where we find our fulfillment. So it's impossible for us to read this letter of Philippians and not see Paul's excitement for joy, his encouragement for us to find this joy, to know this joy. And he he writes this over and over as an encouragement to us to understand happiness versus joy. And so he wants us to understand this, that joy is deeper than happiness. It's deeper. You see, when we think about happiness, happiness is about the horizontal, the things that are happening right here on this plane. But when we look at our relationship for joy, joy is dependent on our vertical, our relationship between God and us. And that's where we find our joy is in the Father. And this is what Paul is pushing here. But Paul is also teaching us something else because he's already told us through his writings of everything that he's dealt with, everything that he's gone through. And now Paul's telling us in these closing words that he has understood the secret of all of this, of of contentment, of finding this joy. Here's the thing that Paul knew that we've got to grasp and understand. Paul understood that it's having Jesus, it's having Jesus that makes it okay to not have anything else. So we'll say it this way. It's Jesus that makes having nothing okay. It's Jesus that makes having nothing okay. And that's what Paul's been pushing here. He's saying that everything that I've ever needed, I have found in God. I have found true joy. When I have suffered, I have found true joy in God. Because Paul lived in these circumstances that in one minute things were going good in his ministry. In the second, the next second, what was happening was people were wanting to, to kill him, throw things at him and stone him and put him on islands and get rid of him. And Paul would always say, but I still had joy. And so look what he says in 10 through 14 here of, of chapter 4 Philippians. He, he says, I, how I praise the Lord that you are concerned for me again. So he's, he's telling him, thank you all for being concerned for me. And I know you have always been concerned for me and you didn't have the chance to help me. But now that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have, listen, I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or with little. And he his most famous verse, and we even get this one confused, but it says, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Understand, Paul is writing this to the church in Philippi. He is writing this letter from a cold, dark jail cell. He's writing this letter from prison. And he's using words like have joy. Paul is finding joy in writing this letter from a dark, lonely place. Even in his most, his his time that he has, it is just painful and, and he's locked up and he has no freedom. He's been ripped of all that. Paul is still encouraging the church to say, I have found the secret. That term secret in the Greek actually means that it's been a personal experience. Paul's saying that I have personally learned how to do this because all of my circumstances over time, realizing that they change and my happiness was one minute here and then one minute it didn't exist. Now Paul's saying that it was the secret of me 
personally learning through my life that happiness flees, but joy stays and sustains. And I'm able to write this letter because I'm finding joy in who God is. And then he, he finishes that letter by saying, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. This may blow your mind, but that doesn't mean that we quote that verse and we're going to win a national title. It doesn't mean that we quote that verse and we're going to be able to run for miles. What Paul's saying is, I can do all things. Or the literal translation of this is, I can be content and find joy in everything because I have a relationship with God and I know God on a personal level. And this is what Paul is encouraging you and I. This is where he's combating the lie that God doesn't just want you to be happy. He wants you to be joyful and find contentment in everything. Now, closing out, I want to just encourage you here. Where do we find joy? Where do we find the joy? Well, we answer that question in Psalm chapter 16, verse 11. Look, look at these words with me. You make known to me the path of life. It's in your presence that there's a fullness of joy at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. What's the writer saying here? Joy is found in the presence of the Lord. We find joy in God. Again, God is the very thing that never changes, that is constant, that is always with us. And this is where joy is sustainable. And we will always find it when we have our relationship with God. In His presence, there is a fullness of joy. And when we find joy, we find peace. And those peace times help us in the circumstantial. When the circumstances are going against us, we have this peace that allows us to surpass all understanding of what's happening. I still have a relationship with God and have found joy in His presence. And so in this entire passage, Paul keeps pointing us to live in, to be full of joy. And he's, he's this constant thing is like, filling every piece of me. When he said to be full of joy in the Greek, it, tip, it, it means that there's not a single space that is empty, that we have been filled with capacity. So Paul's command, be full of, be full of every space within your life. Be full of joy for God, because when it is, we find peace. And so Paul wants us to understand this as he's writing to the church and we're seeing to find joy over happiness. Joy will always be there. Joy will always drive us. Happiness will flee away. It'll go away based off the circumstance. If the Spirit of Christ is always inside of me, if the Spirit of Christ is always inside of me, then He will never leave me. That joy will never leave me. That peace will never leave me because the Holy Spirit dwells and lives in this vessel, in this temple. So it doesn't matter that if we have bad days or good days. It doesn't matter if we're suffering or if things are going well. We have joy in the Lord. Do not be deceived by the enemy telling us that goodness is found in the happiness of the things that we pursue and, and think that these things are going to make us happy. They will lead to disappointments. We will find joy in the presence of the Lord. My question today is, have you brought, bought into the lie, have you bought into the lie of pursuing happiness? Have you truly experienced and embraced the joy of the Lord? My challenge to you today is that you would get along with God in His presence and you would begin 
marking out things in your life that you have tried to find happiness in, but you continuously find disappointment and replace those things with the presence of God and ask God, work in this area, work in this area, work in my life here, bring me joy. Whether this thing happens or doesn't happen, I want to be more dependent on you than I am with the circumstances of what's going on. Don't be deceived by the enemy anymore. God says he wants you to be happy, but his desire is that you would find joy and you find the joy in his presence.